What is up to all, to each and every one of the tens of ones in the listening audience? It is me. It is me. It is Gino V, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, coming to you with episode 85. That's right, 85 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, folks. Once again, as it always is, this is a show where for about 30 minutes or so, maybe once a week, we do miss weeks, we missed last week, I'll, well, more on that in a moment, but um, I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, a completely ordinary, average individual, come to you with takes, tales, and I don't know what else do we come with. Takes, tales, um, thoughts. That's another T word, I guess. Um, that you didn't ask for, that you don't need, but you are going to receive anyway. Should you continue to listen to this or any other episode of the show? So thank you for being here. We will kick off this week's show, number 85, um, with. Uh, a reflection back on the fact that we did not come to you with this episode 85 last week, as per our usual schedule. We missed last week, as we are wont to do from time to time. And to be totally honest, I can't even remember why now. Um, I don't know. Some, some scheduling issue. Um, I have a very... Um, well, yeah, I guess I would say I have a very highly programmed life in a sense that um, on any given day, I have five million different things going on. And so it's not the easiest thing in the world to find time to uh, sit in front of the blue snowball microphone that is, in fact, orange and speak with you, the tens of ones, for a half hour. Because, you know, when all of a sudden done, it takes more than a half hour to finish. And uh, I also need to have um, a situation where um, I'm able to speak to you with a lot without a lot of um, background interference or... I am able to speak to you where I'm not interfering with someone else doing what they want to do because I'm an ordinary, average, amateur Joe, so I am recording this in my home. Um, and so if there are other people around, which is often the case during the summertime schedule, I might be speaking all over someone else trying to do you know, paid work or school work or this, that, stuff that, that takes precedence over me running off at the mouth, as it were. But I'm back this week, so never fear, the show lurches on. The show slouches on um, to whatever its eventual end may be, which is uh, a parable of life, I guess. Um, on that note, I will say I've, I've been a, I've been a bit I don't know if depressed is the right word lately, but you know I'm here about to turn forty six in a matter of days. I think I'm not a birthday guy. I don't keep tabs on my birthday, but I just kind of noticed it the other day. So yeah, getting close to 46. And I bring this to you not to alert you to my birthday, because that's of no consequence at this point. But uh, just, you know, an another another year in the books, another year closer to the big 5-0, um, another year even further and further away from memories of your, you know, I have two children, so they continue to get older. One of them is about to be an adult. Um... So I've kind of hit this point lately where I've been thinking about the fact that um, it's sometimes it's easy to think of this uh, 
this constant movement toward the end, this constant aging, but not just of, of oneself, but you know, all things, all in, in reality, all everything out in the universe there is moving towards some end. Um, it's easy sometimes to think this is a temporary condition. Like I'm aging now, but eventually that's going to stop, and uh, things are changing constantly. But eventually, you know, we'll take a break from it. But no, the older you get, or the older I get, at least, the more I realize no, this is this is this is this is happening. This is real. This continues to continue to get further and further away from the beginning, and closer and closer to the end. But I guess it happens to everyone. So can the end really be all that bad? Who knows? Uh, I would say who cares. But then again, I'm telling you, I'm thinking about this, and it has me kind of depressed. But it's not like I'm sitting here like fixated on it. It's just I, I, I'm, I'm definitely in this new stage of life where you know I'm not no longer in my 30s. Uh, blissfully ignorant, thinking everything's going to continue the way it is forever. I'm now in my mid-40s realizing um, what what little um, health and energy I have now is is quickly dissipating. Um, On that optimistic note, we will continue here with episode 85. So let's see, what else is on the agenda for today? What has been going on in the Vegaverse that is worth sharing with the tens of ones. Um, one funny story that I'm actually dealing with um, right now, in real time as I record this, I had just tried calling um, the person in question with this story here that I'm going to share with you. But I believe on the last episode of the show, in fact, I know on the last epi- episode of the show, episode 84, in which I chronicled our family's trip to the Santa Cru- Cruz Easy for me to say, Beach Boardwalk, where among other things I went on the ride um, known as Crazy Surf. Um, you can go back and listen to that one in the archives, should you wish. Um, I mentioned that on our way there, um, there were some issues with our vehicle. Um, there was some metal things scraping on the ground. I don't think I ever talked about the resolution of that. Um I think I may have mentioned that in addition to the fact that as we were trying to drive the car out of town, there appeared to be some piece of the car scraping on the ground. Um, the air conditioning, the, the cool air had been out for a while in the car as well. So I took the car to our mechanic in Santa Rosa, California. We still go to our Santa Rosa mechanic just because it's not like you go to the mechanic 24-7 or anything. And, um, you know, they're nice, reputable guys, so it just made sense to keep going there. Uh, Empire 2, Empire T-O-O in Santa Rosa, California. They specialize in, like, Japanese import cars, Hondas, Toyotas, that kind of thing. Um, So between the metal that was scraping on the ground and the air conditioning that wasn't working properly, we called them up, and they told me to bring the car by, and they'd take a look at it. And I did... Um, and I had looked at the, the metal thing underneath the car even before I talked to them. Because I, I mentioned last time, I, I think I started the story, but I didn't finish it. That, like, when we were driving on the freeway and there was a horrible scraping sound, we pulled over and we looked under the car. And it looked like there was something, like, horrendous going on. But again, parked, you know, on some gravel somewhere, super hot outside. It was hard to really, like, see, you know, so... Hard to get a sense of what was going on. So I looked at it in our actual garage, and I realized it was just kind of like a plate that had come undone um, under the car. And sure enough, that's all it was. Then they had the right size Honda bolt for it, so they fixed that for me. Um, But it turned out that the air conditioning was 
beyond their scope. They, there was something that could have been wrong with it that they checked and it wasn't. And then anything else that was going to be uh, problematic with it required um, a certain licensing to work with the chemicals associated with air conditioning that um, they do not have. So they referred me to a place... And um, I will also say that I was not charged for any of this because this is a part of why we enjoy going to Empire 2. Whenever we get our car, you know, regularly serviced just because um, Ms. S. and I both grew up not servicing cars and it would lead to these catastrophic events that, that cost, ended up costing way more than had we just kind of maintained the car slowly over time. So we're trying to be in our old age more regular about about uh, car maintenance, and so far it is it is mostly paid off. We're gonna this story is, that I'm telling you now is a bit of an aberration, but generally um, nothing bad ever really happens with our cars, other than having to spend a couple hundred dollars, you know, once or twice a year, um, uh, just on regular maintenance versus catastrophic maintenance. Um, I'm sure, you know, if, if I, if I, if my jeans were not as skinny, if my shirt was not as plaid and flannel, I would be more like, um, engineer nerd. And I would just maintain, and I, I would build the car myself. Actually, I, I would build my own car, but, but that is not my situation in life. My standing in life. Um, the jeans are skinny, the shirt is flannel. So I don't know how to change a tire and therefore I take it to the mechanic. Um, but back to the, to the story at hand. Um, so I called the place that they referred me to. And now that guy couldn't help me either because the car, it's a 2017 Honda Civic. And, um, he told me that, um, by the time Honda reached that year, they're using a different kind of chemical or some such in the air conditioning. And it's not something that he uh, is licensed to work with. So we kind of asked around to see if anyone knew anyone locally here in Napa that might help and didn't really get any, um, good recommendations because I, I think what the issue here is that generally air conditioning goes out on older cars and this car is not new, but it's not old enough to be like typical that the air conditioning's out. So finally at our wits end, we, we made an appointment with the Honda dealership here in Napa to get the car serviced for the air conditioning. Made an appointment, took it in, and now I was not looking forward to this appointment in the slightest because I do not really feel the vibe of car dealerships. I mean, d- does anyone really? That, that Car dealerships are one of those things that's like car dealerships, politicians, um, there's probably some other venues and types of people and stuff like that that I can't think of off the top of my head. But it, it's these these places or these, in the case of a dealership or mode of being, in the case of a politician, that these places and these modes are designed to appeal to the largest common denominator. You know, if you if you want to get elected to public office, you can't be some fringe niche person that only you know, a fraction of the people like you have to appeal to everyone. If you're trying to sell cars, same deal. But at the same time, who do they actually appeal to? Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, have you ever seen a politician regardless of of stripe, regardless of ideology and been like, that person's super cool. 
I mean, I haven't. Sadly, I think some people do, because again, they have to be successful to people. I, I guess what it is is like you cast such a wide common denominator net that you're going to have some weirdos that actually do like you and think you're cool. And then you're going to have other people like myself that just feel resigned. I, you know, I, I have to participate. I have to vote for someone. So I guess I'm voting for you. Um, I guess that's the same thing with car dealerships. You probably do have some marks that like the vibe, like the scene, like being flim flammed. And then you have people like me that just like, well, I got to buy a car. So here we go. Um, but in any case, I was not looking forward to um, the uh, dealership scene. I was expecting, you know, to go in and have this one specific thing I wanted them to do, but then not have them also pressuring me to like get a service done there, get this, that, the third done there. And I wanted none of that. I just wanted the air conditioning to work. I just wanted the air conditioning fixed. Everything else is handled. So um, I showed up with the car and I walked in. And I started talking to this fellow behind the counter. And the fellow behind the counter was setting me up for the service. And real chatty guy, real kind of manic-seeming guy. Um, He started off um, because my... um, Wife, Ms. S, was the person that had made the appointment. So the appointment was in her name. But then I came in. And so he was kind of, oh, you don't look like an Aaron with an E. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. That's my wife. And he's like, oh, well, you know, buddy, you never know these days. And then he, we, he went down a rabbit hole complaining about, um, like, gender pronouns and all that stuff. Because I guess he identified me as a bro who would want to bro out about that. So I just kind of humored him. Oh, yeah, that's... The world's really going to hell in a handbasket. Um, and so then uh, he went off on some other tangent talking about like his, uh, how he'd had like multiple marriages and like an abusive childhood and um, how it was weird to him coming from such a bad background when he met like one of his, I don't remember if it was an ex or his current wife, but he met his in-laws and they were actually really nice people. He wanted to hang out with them all the time. And uh, I kind of, in, in that sense, I actually kind of connected with them. Not that it came from some horribly abusive background, but it's just like, you know, I had enough stuff in my background that I'm kind of cynical about families and cynical about, um, you know, uh, parental relationships and all that stuff um, to the point where, as I was telling him, yes, when I meet people that seem to actually get along with their parents, I'm kind of suspicious. <laughs> and so we, we did, we broed out over that too. Um, but then in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, you know, this is a wind up to some kind of sales pitch. So, and, and he's disarming me and I'm feeling like we're chatting and this is, this is where things get dangerous. Something weird is going to happen. But then nothing weird happened. He just took the car and said he would fix the uh, air conditioning. Um, he said it was probably going to be pretty expensive because what happened was, um, around 2017, the federal government, uh, changed, mandated a certain type of new chemical that had to be used in air conditioning and those first couple of years, the car makers like Honda were making their new cars. They didn't really know how to deal with this new chemical change. I'm probably explaining this totally wrong. We can get Engineer Nerd on, on, on the tweets to, uh, to uh, factoid Mary what I'm saying here. But in any case, there was a change in how air conditioning was handled. Those first few models of uh, Hondas... Uh, they didn't really know what they were doing, so the air conditioning systems are kind of jank. And so there's a good possibility that's what was happening with my car. Um, and that's it turned out to be exactly what the issue was. Um, 
the car was fixed in probably under 24 hours. I came back the next day to pick it up. And we were actually going on a trip to Tahoe, actually to Truckee, California, but it's the Lake Tahoe region, Lake Tahoe area. Uh, going on a trip there because a family friend had offered us the use of their uh, cabin up there for a weekend. So we figured, why not? We drove out there, had some free lodging. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I went to pick up the car and uh, he um, told me what the damage was and it was pretty expensive. Um, I will say it was in the, uh, the, the, the 1,000 range. Uh, more than a thousand, less than two thousand. So I was already expecting that. Um, you know, I getting getting annoyed about expensive car stuff, expensive anything in life is like getting mad that there's gravity. You know, absolutely nothing I can do to change the situation other than drive around without air conditioning, which um, I was fine with doing for a while actually. But once we started having to use the car to take some multi-hour trips over the summer, it was it was not. Not good, not happening. It was worth it to me, actually. The, the, the money was money well spent to get air back in the car, which we were ostensibly going to have around for quite a long time still. Um, because in our family history, these, these Japanese imports tend to kick around for quite a while. Um, in any case, so he, he gave me the spiel. He charged me everything. Um, but he was also acting kind of weird. It was like talking about how there were these like... Stuff shirt corporate guys from Michigan were there, and uh, he'd been looking to see uh, to get an email to make sure he still had his job, but he didn't know what was happening, so he might be. It's very strange. Like, I, I, and again, I was like wary because I thought he's about to start selling me something. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, he seemed to be fearing fearing for his job for some reason. Um, rang me up. I got my car. I was on my way. We went our trip to Tahoe. Enjoyed the cool air. Yesterday was Monday, following that weekend. Uh, it, was, it was a Friday when I picked the car up. So Monday, I had gotten an email from uh, Honda wanting my feedback on uh, my customer experience. And I had, I had noticed that email. I hadn't done anything with it. I just saw it. Then as I was going about my business, I started getting a uh, cell phone call that was identifying itself as from the Honda dealership. And I figured it was just like some automated call similar to the email to... to find out about, you know, how my experience went. So I was like, I'm not going to take this call. I'll just, I'll just fill it out on the email. But then I realized a voicemail was left. So I checked the voicemail and it was the guy from the dealership. And he was like, man, um, when you were in here picking up your, uh, civic, um, uh, last week, I, I really messed up, um, on what I charged you. So, uh, please give me a call back. Um, so we can figure this out. And I wasn't in a position to call him back immediately, but I called back like an hour later. And I left a message and I was like, yeah, I uh, got your call. Just uh, let me know what's up. And this was kind of weirding me out because it's like, is this some like, because I didn't know what he meant. I didn't know if he meant he should have charged me less, should charge me more. Uh, having a continued uh, interaction post dealership interaction where they're wanting to change the amount of money they owed you just seemed or that you owed them just seemed very odd, but whatever. But then he never called back and around 530 yesterday it popped in my mind again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check my um, bank statement to see what I, what I paid. Cause you know, I didn't even pay attention when he was running the card and he, I have a receipt for it somewhere too, but I hadn't looked at it, but I was looking at my um, banking app and I was looking at my charges on the card that I used. And I realized if what I owed was in the thousands, he accidentally charged me in the hundreds. 
So basically, he charged me a three-digit um, figure for what should have been a four-digit figure. And so I called back again. I was like, oh, man, I see what the issue is now. Please call me back. You know, I'm more than happy to, to pay the correct amount. Because it's like, you know, I could be, you could be, oh, I really got one over on him. But it's just like, you know, I, I, I was, I should be paying what I was charged for the services that were rendered. And they did do a great job and it was quick and it was easy and all that. Um, but obviously I didn't expect him to be answering his phone at 5.30, but I just wanted to leave that second message. Now today, it's now Tuesday. It is 11.02 a.m. as I record this episode, and I still haven't heard back from him. And right before I started recording the episode, I tried calling him one more time and no answer. So it's really weird. I wonder if Holmes is no longer there. If uh, the cryptic stuff he was saying about getting fired actually happened. And I hope the charging, my undercharging didn't hasten anything. But again, it's not like it was anything I did. Um, But very odd. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get away with like just paying like $100 for what should have been 1000 Because if I never hear from him, it's, you know, I'd be willing to chase down the guy I dealt with directly. I'm not necessarily going to go contact the dealership writ large and be like, hey, I owe you guys like $900. Actually, more than that. But you know what I mean? I don't know. Very strange. So we will see what happens. We will keep you posted. In the meantime, a few more topics to deal with today, and then we will call it a day. I have breaking news. Breaking news. This just in, Mutant Storm, the Cigar Bars of Napa. Yes, we are coming to you. On the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast with a mutant update. The mutant invasion continues. Attack is imminent. So again, from time to time on this show, on this show, I will poke fun at folks that we endearingly call uh, mutants. Um, I feel kind of bad because I don't want it to be like I'm like dehumanizing people by calling them mutants. It's, it's a joke. Um, and, and it's done uh, in the spirit of concern. And in, in wanting to bring these people back into the fold. Again, I liken it to the video game Defender, in which you are flying around rescuing those flashing little people, but if you don't save enough of the people, everything goes crazy and the people become mutants. Uh, then there's little red skull things that are flying around. That, that is where the term comes from. Um, but, so what we want to do is we want to bring the mutants back. We want to rehabilitate the mutants, bring them back into the fold of mainstream humanity. Um... Now, when I talk about mutants, I talk about people at the radical extreme fringes of um, uh, personal comportment in public. And just because of where I live and what's going on socio-culturally at the moment, most of the mutants that I am encountering lately and that I am lampooning on this show tend to be mutants whose mutation is... um, a belief in extreme right-wing tropes and memes. Um, This does not mean that a mutant can only be right-wing. There are all kinds of mutants. There are left-wing mutants. There are apolitical mutants. Um, But the most egregious uh, mutant encounters I have had over the last few years tend to be these kind of January 6th-style right-wing mutants. Um, We will not... Hesitate to lampoon other mutants as they come down the pike. Had I been doing this show, for instance, during the time of the um, Occupy Wall Street movement, I had plenty of tales of dealing with uh, ludicrous uh, 
left-wing mutants up in Santa Rosa that I could have shared with you, but that has not been um, that has not been my reality of late. So we are we are we are not fixated on making fun of the right-wing mutants. So those of you right-wing mutants listening, don't feel attacked, don't feel uh, singled out. Other mutants will get their day on the show at some point. I promise. I think they even have. I think I've talked about uh, this stuff before. But in any case. Um, those of you listening to the show may know that one of my primary social outlets these days is I hang out at a cigar lounge in Napa, California, where I live. Now, hanging out at a cigar lounge, um, I accept that there is going to be a certain level of mutantism, um, just because, um, you know, for years, I was not interested in going to cigar lounges. Uh, my wife, Ms. S., worked at one in college, and cigars always been kind of a hobby of hers, and I go along with her for it. Um, and again, don't be alarmed. It's not like we're, 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 we're not talking about smoking like 500 cigars a day. It's, 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 it's more of a, um, you know, I don't know. It's like drinking alcohol recreationally um, versus binge drinking. It's it, it's something that we do occasionally. It's the vice that we have. You know, people need their vices. Um, but uh, in any case, for years I was not interested in going to these places because generally when we would go into one to buy cigars that we would smoke usually at our own house, the, the people that hung out with them tended to be just kind of angry old guys, uh, kind of Rush limbaugh guys just hating everything and looking like they're about to have a heart attack and just unpleasant. Not, not what I want to be around. Um, but we started hanging out at, uh, the one here in Napa for a couple reasons. One, we no longer are able to smoke where we live because we live in a townhome that does not really have a yard. And so it's just not, that doesn't fit into the community to be, uh, smoking cigars. So should we want to partake in cigar, appreciation and now has to take place at a place like Napa cigar where we hang out, where we can, we can do it there. That's one reason. Another reason is, uh, Napa cigar is pretty rare in the world of cigar stores, cigar lounges in the fact that it has a full bar. They have beer on tap, they have wine, they have spirits, all well curated. Um, so, you know, we'll go there for a drink sometimes too. Um, and it's also, it's hyper, a hyper social place because of its situation here in Napa, because you do have the regulars and the regulars do run the gamut from everything from the angry old guys to us, to all kinds of people. It's a very interesting mix at this store. You meet a lot of people like younger people that are in the wine, uh, industry that hang out there because it's not like a wine place. So they can kind of get away from work. They go there. We've met a lot of those kind of people. You meet just like randos, like people that grew up, like, Napa, like longtime Napa people who are not part of that kind of wine uh, industry that exists now, kind of older school Napans, they'll hang out there. We've met a lot of people like that. But you also meet people from all over the world because tourists go there uh, when they're here visiting town. They see it. They think it looks interesting. They go in, they hang out. So we've met all kinds of people. Um, Like one of our best friends that we've met there is a guy um, named Mark who actually lives in Washington state, but he has this IT job where he has to come down to Napa every weekend from like Friday through Sunday to be here in case something goes wrong with one of the servers at the server farm. So he basically sits there hanging out at the cigar lounge with his work cell phone waiting to be called to go over there. So we have met this entire cast of characters. It has been well worth um, going out of my shell, going to this place. It is pretty much the um, focal point of my social life now. But as I said, um, hanging out there does often involve 
having to accept a certain level of exposure to mutants. And sometimes it, it kind of waxes and wanes. Sometimes you can go there and not notice any overt mutant behavior. Other times, like the story that I'm going to tell, there's just kind of a perfect storm or a ton of mutants that are really wearing it on their sleeve all show up at once. And so this happened a few nights ago. For some reason, there were a couple different groups of tourists visiting and they were not like the chill kind of tourists that are cool to hang out with. They were like angry mutant tourists. Um, and so one of the angry mutant tourists was this kind of um, Triple H looking dude, if you're familiar with, with professional wrestling. But Triple H when he had a hair, not bald Triple H. You know, this kind of like buffed, long hair guy. And um, this guy just had, like, an angry vibe from the moment he came in the store and was just, like, kind of surly. And, like, if you had to walk past him to, to, to get to something, he kind of seemed to be taking, a, taking that as a personal affront that, you know, there's another physical body in a physical space has to, like, move through space and time. That was somehow a bridge too far for this fellow. And in case anyone was in question about his mutantism, mutantism, um, he was wearing this really garish t-shirt that had like a huge skull on the back and it was like, bow to no man. And then there were all these like machine guns and flags and stuff. And I, I wish I could remember the brand cause I looked it up and it was hilarious. Like some of the stuff that they were peddling and it was not, um, the other comical one, the lions are sheep or the lions, not sheep. Um, but it was something like that. Ah, I, I wish I could remember because it would just add a little element to the story. But anyway, this guy was, was, was all fired up with no place to go. Apparently wanted to kill somebody with all the skulls and guns and everything. So I'm, I'm not sure why he was not just going for it. But um, in any case, uh, he, I was kind of noticing him in the corner of my eye. Um, and then there was this other uh, group of kind of older guys, less, um, less like long hair, um, barbarian looking mutants, more like, you know, um, uh, button down uh, older mutants. And they were visiting from Virginia, I believe. And they kept... Uh, complaining about California the whole time, which I, I totally understand. Like, I, I understand California is not for everyone, um, and particular, particularly if you are into certain, if, if you have certain ideological beliefs, this probably isn't the best place to find them. Um, but then it's just funny that you would visit here and then just be pissed off. <laughs> it's like you could ease. I mean, there's a million other places to go. Uh, check out Texas. I don't know. But uh, we get a lot of Texans visiting, too, who often are bent. I've met some very nice Texans, um, and uh, I don't even expect, you know, that you can be a Texan and be completely anti-stereotypical California ideologies, whatever, that's great. But it, it just it's weird to go to a place and then be angry about the place that you are a visitor in. I Like, I, I am not necessarily 100% on board with, for instance, the stereotypical... Texan ideology, which I also do understand as a stereotype. You go to a place that big, there's going to be all kinds of people believing all kinds of things. But you know how, how we operate in this world. We tend to believe if X, then Y. If people are from this place, then they're all like that. But anyway, I would not visit a place that I was not necessarily 100% on board with ideologically and then be like bad-mouthing it and complaining about it the whole time. I'd be sitting back, observing, and enjoying the ride. But hey, that's just me. Anyway, the punchline of this whole story, and it's not that big of a story, it's just kind of funny because it's like, this is, this is where we're at right now. This is where we're at with this level of anger and um, grievance among the mutants. Um, there's one bathroom at Napa Cigar, and usually it's not a problem, but when the store gets really busy, sometimes uh, there can be a little bit of a line. And um, 
That's one other funny aside I will say about the Napa Cigar Bathroom, which is an ongoing um, point of sociological interest to me. So when um, we first started going there, we started going there a bit right before the pandemic. Um, when we first started going there, the demographic there was still pretty much skewing towards mostly male. And now a few years later, as the store has grown in popularity, when we first started going there, the store also only had beer and wine. Now they have the full bar, and that has really exploded their popularity and exploded their reach to potential customers. As we've continued going there a few years into it now, um, there are definitely it's definitely still mostly male, but there are you never go in there and there aren't women hanging out there now. Um, so when we first started going there, I noticed among the dudes that hung out there, um, particularly among the angrier older dudes, they really got off on the fact that they would go in to use the bathroom, and the bathroom's like a unisex bathroom, just has like one uh, toilet in there. Uh, of leaving the the seat up on the toilet. So when I first started going there, and I live, you know, in a matriarchal household, I'm the only dude. And not like, we're not one of those houses where everyone, it's, you know, that's kind of this like uh, stereotypical, oh, the battle of the sexes, the toilet seat. I just tend to leave it down because it's just like, whatever. You know, it's, it makes the most sense in our, the population in our home. When I first started going to the store and it was always up, I would just leave it up when I left because I figured, oh, that's the culture here and um, whatever. You know, it's not like I'm getting some great thrill, but I'm just going to go along with that. As more and more women have frequented the store, it's become weirder because <laughs> half the time I'll go in there, I'll use the facilities, and then I'll be like, you know, I don't want to be that guy that seems like I'm making a statement against the belligerent dudes leaving the seat up, I'm just going to go ahead and leave it up because, you know, again, like I said, I'm not going to go to Texas and badmouth traditions and culture. Same thing here. I'm just going to go with the flow. So I'll leave the seat up. And the second, you know, I wash my hands, dry my hands. The second I exit the bathroom, there's a woman waiting to use it. And so now I'm the bleep dude that's like, obnoxiously leaving the seat up. So then the next time I use it, I remember that that happened. And then it's like, I don't want to be that guy again. I don't want to be like walking out and some woman's coming in here and it's like, what is wrong with this guy? Um, so I put the seat down, wash my hands, dry my hands, walk out. And there's some angry old guy, bro, regular, who's looking at me and like, what is wrong with you? Why are you, why are you putting it down? Can't win. The other night, finally, finally, I rolled a dice, I put it down and there, there was a woman waiting and Smiled, nodded at each other, went on my way. Finally success. But in any case, th- this night with the, with the skull mutant, no, no man's slave, no man's sheep uh, guy, no one can tell him what to do. Except now, the uh, laws of culture, the laws of society, ooh, those laws are now telling him what to do because he is all fired up. He's all hot to try. He wants to use the restroom. But there's someone else in it. So he's standing there in front of the locked door, just kind of like, just obviously just so furious. And then um, I'm walking up uh, to get in line, and right before me, there's kind of one of the older button-down mutants from Virginia is getting behind him, and he's like, oh, we got, we got a line, huh? And the, the Triple H mutant is like, yeah! Like, the dude is literally tremblingly angry that he's having to wait to use the restroom. You know, something that... Um, they teach the big kids how to do way back in, what is it, kindergarten? But not this guy. No man's slave. He waits for no one, except when he waits in front 
of the closed bathroom door. So that was that was kind of comical. I, I I was very surprised how angry he was. And it's always funny with these guys too. It's like, bro, we're here in beautiful Napa, California. We're hanging out at a cigar store. There's any kind of alcohol you could possibly want. There's conversation. There's all kinds of great places to go out to dinner. If you're done and you want to get something to eat and you're angry, you're angry. Well, he was, uh, but anyway, he went in and then I was waiting, um, next to the, uh, button down mutant from Virginia. And that guy struck up conversation. He was trying to have some weird conversation with me. He was do, do you know, they're like obsessed with like who uses which bathroom. So he was trying to talk to me about that. And I didn't even understand what he was meant at first. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 the world is sure is going to hell in a handbasket, huh? And um, then, like, uh, he was talking about something about how to not be sheep, we, we as dudes should just be able to, like, urinate on the streets, urinate in public. And see, this is where I completely part company with uh, mutants. And in, uh, left mutants have their own version of this, but this was a right mutant guy. See, there's a reason that we don't walk around in um, uh, governed society urinating on everything and defecating in the streets. You know, I, I like the certain kind of order that comes with, uh, with um, a society that has some niceties to it. I'm not, I'm not hankering to go down this Mad Max path of anything goes, but these guys weirdly are. So he's mad because we couldn't just go outside and, and use the building and, which is also funny because the same guys are always claiming that like the West Coast has been absolutely destroyed because the governor allows the homeless people to urinate on everything. But yet this guy wants to join the, the party, I, I guess. And then you have seen something bizarre about how like uh, we let women do it. Why can't we do it? It's like we do. Uh, that's the first time I've heard of this. But anyway, my night with the mutants. Fortunately, they all did their thing, moved on. But uh, just wanted to give that report from the front lines. These guys are everywhere, and they are bugging out, and it is absolutely uh, bat stuff. Yeah, I, I don't get it. But to each their own, I suppose. Folks, we are going to wrap it up this week with a new segment on the show, a new tradition on the show beginning here, right here, on episode 85. And that tradition is this. On the topic of Napa Cigar, I was sitting in there the other day. I was actually, to put it all full circle, put a bow on it. I was sitting in there on the day that I took the car to the dealership to get the air conditioning fixed. Because I dropped it off at the um, dealership. And then I was faced with the choice that I could either do a ride-sharing gimmick, Lyft, Uber. Or I could walk an hour home. And if I walked an hour home... It would be part of my exercise for the day. And it was a nice day out, so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to walk. And so I started walking, but then walking took me through downtown, and walking through downtown took me past Napa Cigar, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to reward myself since I'm going to be embarking on this hour walk with getting a cold one over at Napa Cigar. So I did. And I was in there in the middle of the day on a Thursday. There was no one in there, and I was sitting in there, and I was looking at the empty room, and I was looking at all the empty chairs. And I was thinking, you know who should be here right now? You should be right here right now, is friend of the show, friend of the network, Engineer Nerd. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Engineer Nerd, he is a, a pillar of the, I don't know what you call this, the the fringe podcast community. <laughs> I don't know, what, what is it that we're doing here? But in any case, he's a listener to this show, he's a listener of many shows, he's a booster of many shows. I think he does his own stuff with action figure blues. Uh, 
all around kind of nerd. I, I mean this in a good way. You know, he's in all the nerdy stuff, the, the toys, the this, the that. Um, in any case, look him up on Twitter, Engineer Nerd. I, I, I can't remember the exact at, but give him a follow. In any case, Engineer Nerd has um, threatened visiting out here at some point. Engineer Nerd is headquartered out of the state, the great state of Indiana, if I have this correctly. Indiana, um, the state that brought you such things as the state that brought you the state known for, oh, Axel Rose and Izzy Stradlin are from Indiana. So there you go. Claim to fame. No, I'm just kidding. But in any case, he has threatened to visit out here before. Um, I think that there's a way he could possibly swing it through his work. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, he also mentioned something about that he would do it like if his family, something about his family. And I think I misunderstood what he was saying. And I thought he meant he didn't want to be away from his family. But I think what he might have meant is if there was family in the region, he could he could justify coming out here more easily than just, just if there wasn't. In any case, he has both um, communicated the possibility that he could someday end up out here, in which case I'd take him by the cigar store. I'd take him by this uh, – there's this uh, – Tiki bar gimmick place that I've not been to yet in town, but he's a, he's an aficionado of the tiki. So we would go there, probably do some other stuff too. But uh, he's communicated that it's possible, but he's also communicated that there are roadblocks. Possibility on one side, roadblocks on the other. We will see which side uh, wins out. But what we are going to do from episode 85 onward is we are now going to have a count on every episode of how long it has been without a visit from Engineer Nerd to Northern California. I imagine if he came out here, if he came all the way out here, he would probably find a way to get to Santa Rosa and to see IC robots as well. And they could once and for all have a fact versus fact check, uh, 89 Batman versus not 89 Batman standoff. Um, and who, who will survive and what will be the outcome? We, we shall see. But as it stands right now, we are on... Day one, week one. I'm not sure. I think we'll probably chronicle this in weeks. We are on week one with no visit from Engineer Nerd. We will update you next time on where that stands. And until then, it is me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational, Gino V, signing off. Oh, and I just want to say, you may notice these episodes have been sparsely lately because I used to close out with topical music at the end, but just because of the constraints of the summer and trying to get this done, when I can get it done, blah, 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 blah. We've kind of gotten minimalist. Maybe we'll get the music back one of these days. But for right now, hit it. There's no music. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye.